0: On this podcast, we talk to thought leaders about feminine and masculine energy and how it shows up in our business, our parenting, and especially our relationships. We'll dig deep on any and all topics under the sun. Grab a coffee and buckle up. This is the She's the Owner podcast. Hey everybody! It's Kara with the She's the Owner podcast, and um, so today we have uh, a guest, Kristen Demont. Demont—I always want to say DeMonto, but it's Demonto, Don't ask me why. And her hubby was on the show. Tristan was on the show oh a few months ago now. I would th- I think. And I'd like to get them both on at the same time, actually, but now we are, we're going to just talk to Kristen and I'm really excited. So she's an intimacy coach and we had some technical difficulties. We went through this round one already, but we're going to do it again. And so introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your journey, how you got to be an intimacy coach and then what that is exactly for the ladies and gents that are listening. Welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Kara. Okay. So I'm going to start with your last question first, which is what it is, um, So I'm an intimacy coach and I work specifically with women and we are going after your deepest desires and really doing this deep dive to uncover what it is you desire in all of the areas of your life. And then once you have that clarity supporting you to take action and implement the desires that you have into your life. And my passion has been to do this through the body. So I have a a history, a study of somatic experience and so it's not about going into the brain and the story and understanding but about diving into sensations in the body and finding places of resistance there and being able to sit with those places of resistance and find out what's going on there so that you can really acknowledge and love and support these different places of yourself and the ultimate goal being that you cultivate a sense of inner safety, that you create the safety for yourself rather than seeking it outside of yourself. And once you have that safety, you're able to really go into a place of vulnerability and softening and receptivity and openness from a place of feeling empowered. And so this is my absolute joy and passion to support women to do this on their on their journey in their life. And it affects all the areas of their life. It affects certainly their connection with others, definitely hugely con- their connection with themselves, their sexual relationships, their money flow, their work life, their passion, how connected they are to giving and receiving. So it's a very rich territory to explore and one that when you're bypassing the mind, you get to really get a much deeper understanding, but like a holistic understanding, not just an an intellectual awareness. You get that as well, but there's a more holistic, integratable understanding of what's going on for you and how to support yourself to move forward into your dreams and Mm -hmm. desires.
0: That's a mouthful. That was beautiful. And Mm -hmm. so here's the interesting part and what I was kind of getting to before, and it won't be the exact same as what was in my head, but what I find is that women. We resist all of what you just said, and I feel like we resist it because we're in our masculine energy. And just as a reminder too, if you're new to the podcast or new to the movement of She's the Owner, when I talk about masculine, really for me, that's being in your head or being the hunter. It's not Mm -hmm. in flow. And when I talk about being in your feminine, to me, that's being in your heart. And that's, I feel where all the magic happens is in, is in the heart. And then you can take what you've learned and what you've discovered here. And then you go back up to the mind to execute it, to be the hunter yeah. and to execute it. So I was jotting down a couple of questions, but so when you, how do you, when you, when you're supporting a woman and I always advocate that we can't help anybody unless they want the help on their own. Mm-hmm. But we are social creatures and we have girlfriends and mothers and all that type of thing. Do you ever come into situations where you see a woman who's very stuck Mm -hmm. and you think, man, if I could just talk to her for 15 minutes, I could really unblock a bunch of that stuff and and show her. Because I find that women that are super high achievers, most of them, they're not most of them, let's, let's not be generalized, but a lot of them are still stuck in that hunter mode. Right. And they don't know how to shut off. And that's when stress happens. And you're talking about intimacy, all those things happen or fall apart when we can't balance the two, but a lot of high achieving women just think there's one gear and that's hunter. So -hmm. when you have, have you met women like that, where you're like, Oh man, I would love to get my hands on her for like 15 minutes and Mm -hmm. just share and, and had, so that's the first question is, do you ever see women like that? And two, um, how do you support a woman to gently without sounding too masculine on your own into realizing, sweetheart, you're in your head and that's where you're feeling this. And they're not a client yet, but just somebody in your life.
1: Yeah. So those are great questions. The The first question that you asked about, do I ever meet a woman like that? Kara, to be honest with you, every single one of us is like that to different degrees. And the reason that I'm saying that is because the culture that we've grown up in now for generations, that is programming is so deeply embedded in us from the moment we come out. It's how our mothers are either in total, like the version you're describing as like the overachiever or in opposition to it. But either way, that's the framework that women are functioning in. And so, yeah, I mean, this, this has been my dedication to my life's work and it begins first and foremost with myself. You know, I've had to, and I still have to, and I may have to forever. I don't know, like continue to be very diligent about the choices that I make in my own life and not, that's my default. My default is going into that masculine place. I was taught that you take care of yourself. If you want it done right, you do it yourself You know, it was just like everything you don't accept help from other people. It's, it's not going to work. You know, it's just go, go, go do everything. Yep. And so, um, you know, that's my program. That's many of our programs to a certain degree. And that dismantling that is, is a, is quite a process. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, that's like a, a wide sweeping answer to your question, but more specifically, there are certainly women that are like really to the leaning far on the spectrum right. into their masculine and like that, that overachieving and that that's the only way they've allowed themselves to function. And so, yes, 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 yes. I see those women absolutely without question. Um, and the second part of your question was, I think it was how how do you, basically, what would you say to them? Yeah, true? like
0: how do you open the conversation to mm-hmm.
1: a woman that you're like, whoa, you're whoa. Mm-hmm. So since my, my MO is all about embodiment, the very first thing that, that I do in that is, is to, to embody it myself you know, to make sure that I'm in a state, that I'm in a vibration, that, that they're feeling on some level, whether they're aware of it or not, that is softer, that's receptive, Mm -hmm. that is approaching them, that I'm consciously approaching them with an energy that, that creates this sense of exhale. Oh, I say that word all the time. It's like, it is, it's like, When you can, you don't have to perform for me here. You don't need in our interaction. It's like you don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. Yeah.
0: That's here we are.
1: Yep. And that already changes them so much like that unspoken permission to let it all go, Mm. or at least, you know, the surface layers to let it go. And then that just happens like in a flash coming together. And then we have, we start a conversation. could be a super casual conversation about nothing particularly intimate or deep at all. But having that conversation, it comes from a completely different place. And in the moment, those first moments of conversation, it's like the test waters. It's like, wait, is this really safe? Is Mm -hmm. this really what's happening here? And so in those first moments of exchange, there's already like a rapport and a trust that starts to be built up. And so it just goes from there. And I find myself waiting in lines at the grocery store or a coffee shop and having actually really deep conversations with women really fast because I like to go there. That's the way I want to interact with the world. I don't want to talk about the weather and the superficial, um, the superficial pieces I'm chuckling for a minute in my head because well, our first conversation was about the rain cloud outside. <laughs> so I came out the weather, but no, really. It's like, I'm not, I want to go in there. Yep. And so it's like those moments of embodiment and showing up in all of the, the more like unspoken ways really invites that space to be an open, safe space. And then I just, I can really quickly start talking about things that are more, more relevant, we'll say more authentic.
0: Mm -hmm. So if you're not watching and you're listening, and I don't know if you can tell, but I'm actually starting to get emotional about, um, I don't even know what it is. Like you're, this doesn't, I don't ever say these things on this show because it's not happened yet. But I feel, Mm -hmm. I feel everything you just said and I feel extremely tethered to you right in this moment. And it's causing me Mm -hmm. to get teary. Like I can feel, there's emotion opening right now mm. and that's womanhood. Yeah. And like, I, it, it's like almost a joke in my surrounding, like people get, why do you always want to talk about deep shit? And I'm like, cause that's where I live. I'm not mm. interested in complaining about that guy who parked over there. I'm not interested in, things that are not meaningful and I don't know how to be a superficial friend or family member and right now what I'm experiencing with Kristen of knowing her for 25 minutes is what I'm telling you is possible when we get into our hearts with one another we don't have to hurt each other. We don't have to hurt our children and our, like, it doesn't need to happen that way. And it's like 25 minutes of knowing someone, and I'm crying because I feel such a deep connection to her over Zoom. Like, what is that has to tell you something, ladies? It has to, because this is where the power is. This is where. The change happens. This is where, and I always say, you know, a man in his heart would never put his knee on a man's throat until he died. A man in his heart would never fly planes into buildings. A man in his heart would never beat the shit out of his wife till she died. A man in his heart, a woman in her heart would never treat a friend the way that we see women treating each other. And this is this is the work. This is the work. And it it takes a giant leap into vulnerability, but it's gorgeous when you're there. It's so gorgeous when you're there. Um, So thank you for energetically sharing that with me. It was beautiful. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk about um, intimacy. So I talk Mm -hmm. a lot about, you know, um, I had a a guest on and he, he does similar work, a man though, doing uh, similar work with women. And we were talking about actually like self-pleasure as an example. Mm -hmm. And even when you talk about that, Mm Type of thing. I mean, I have four daughters. My oldest is my stepdaughter, but I have four daughters, and we talk very openly about this um, subject Mm -hmm. and age appropriately, but you know, still, my daughters are very (laughs) open with me. And some people say, Are you sure? And I'm like, Trust me, I know more than I need to know. Like, they tell me everything, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about, like, I have this idea that when a woman gets in and gets out when she's masturbating, for example, and it's mm-hmm. like a quick five minute, she's in her masculine. Mm-hmm. And when a woman slows down, lights some candles, does the whole, you know, plays music, uses oils, whatever, and really enjoys her body, then she's in her feminine in that moment. What are your thoughts on on those two ideas? Like, you know, one or the other. I know there's times when mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm in and I'm out. I just needed to have an orgasm and I'm out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Feels very... Yeah. Like yeah, tell me tell me a bit about your thoughts on that.
1: So the first thing that comes to my my awareness when you're saying that is that it's more about the quality of how you're approaching yourself mm-hmm. than than say the amount of time that you could be in and out right. and still have a really feminine approach to it. And so to maybe like soften the dichotomy a little bit. Mm-hmm and be able to, yeah, to have it be more about like your inner state and how you're approaching masturbation, sex, anything, right. You know, it's like that you can switch inside in a moment. And a lot of times I think when you first described, and I can't remember if this was on her first take or not, but like you were saying that, um, that you lead the, the hope and the desire is to lead with the heart and then have the mind execute. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with that as well. That's how I, that's how I feel excited to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to bring it, bring that into Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I have like three different layers going on right now while we're talking. That's being limited. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let me like, let me bring back my focus on what am, I, what am I, which point am I wanting to focus on right now? Let me, let me return back to what I was saying initially and not branch out here too big. So, making sure that like you're just checking yourself and that here's what I was going to say that if you find yourself going more to to the mind, that oftentimes it's because there's some sort of fear there. Mm -hmm. If you're going there first, there's some sort of resistance and fear there. And that's okay. And you may want to slow down for a minute and breathe and take a moment of acknowledging that, okay, even that, just slowing down for for 30 seconds and taking a few deep breaths instead of just like letting, letting the train kind of go on automation is going to shift the quality of how you are engaging with yourself. Right. And so that's the, the main point that I wanted to say is that you're, you're not wanting to go from that place of fear. And if you allow yourself to just slow down for a minute and drop back into your heart and then pick up, and that may mean that you go and two minutes later, whoa, you're back in your head again. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well like take 10 seconds and take another deep breath. And it might take a few times of redirecting because of that habituated pattern of go, 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 go. And so there's still a way that you can have that experience, we'll say, and satisfaction of a five-minute masturbation session that you're just like, oh, okay, who got that like r- release. And it can still be really nurturing and tender and loving and, and like filling instead of draining. Right, so that's like a whole other topic, but like that, really, that's part of the experience. Is like your nurture. You want that to be a nurturing experience, not right. a an exhausting experience. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I think a lot of times it's just funny to me because so many women. I want to go back to what you said in the, the beginning about how we were conditioned, mm-hmm. um, because we were conditioned. Like I'm 44, so I grew up as a kid in the 80s, and so media was very heavily. Um, dominant with powerful women, powerful, rich women who needed nobody and who were conniving, manipulative bitches. Yeah, You know, you think of all the evening, remember like Dynasty and all those shows in the evenings, right? Mm-hmm. Like Knott's Landing, Falcon Crest, my mom watched all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I had Alison Armstrong on the show last week, which was like epic it was such a cool episode and she's been doing she's been studying men for 30 years so she really had some data on on how things have changed um so cuz my default is also alpha male female like my mm-hmm. that is my default now you talked about like to me there's a healthy version of that and then there's a toxic version of that and mm-hmm. so maybe mm-hmm. t- touch a little bit on what you would consider like a toxic cuz Like during COVID, my default was I had just gone back together with my husband after date with Destiny with Tony Robbins, Mm -hmm. and I was in my feminine. I was floating around, and then COVID happened, and I went batshit crazy. I was like, "Oh God, I need to be back in control." This was not the right time to go into my feminine because I didn't know what that was, you know, blah blah blah. So my default now is a lot softer, like Mm -hmm. than it was. But talk a bit about what you would consider a toxic alpha female type behavior and maybe give two or three ways that a woman could maybe check herself and say okay because i feel we're we're still more aware you know Mm -hmm. and but give give maybe so first question is um what does it look like to see a toxic alpha Mm -hmm. female and then maybe a couple ways to help her navigate through that
1: yeah well you named some of the things right off the top of my head Um, some of the qualities when you were describing the, the evening shows from the eighties, but the word that leaves out to me that you even just spoke yourself was control. Mm. And so this need to be in control and there's a variety of reasons why that may happen. And for me, I, I go right down to the deep one, the deep ones where you're feeling unsafe. There's something you're deeply, deeply terrified of and you're needing to be in control. And you most likely learned at a very young age, how to, how to stay in control and really take care of your heart, and that's a beautiful thing. That's some that was a survival mechanism that needed to happen at a certain point in time, and there's another point in time, that being most likely now as as an adult, certainly, where you want to make a different choice. So, any time that you you like have. Gosh, have I think that one of the ways that would be really useful for women is to take a minute and make a list of ways that they feel they control things. And be honest, like be honest with yourself. It's just a list for you. Like get it, it can be as like ugly as you want, you know, it doesn't there's no try to be non-judgmental while you're doing it and just really factual in a way of just like okay, how what are, and if you're having trouble doing that, what are moments that I do feel out of control, that I do feel unsafe? And what's my response to that? How do I then try to control a situation? What does it look like? Does it look like me pushing? Does it look like me interrupting people in conversations? Does it look like me walking into a room and not listening at all, just completely taking over the space? Does it look like me talking louder than everyone else? Listening is a big one. You know, does it look like me giving constantly and not being open to receiving anything and having this martyr, martyrdom kind of complex where I'm going to just give, 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 and I'm not letting anyone in? That's a huge type of control that women have. And they, on the, on the outside, it doesn't necessarily look like that's mm-hmm. what they're doing, but it's incredibly dominating, it's incredibly controlling. And there's a way that again, our culture has really justified this role, especially you add the mother piece in there too, you know, as mother as martyr Mm -hmm. is the way to go, you know? And it's just like, no, that's a, that's a very shadow side of, of a dominant female alpha dominant, dominant traits, you know? I love that you
0: say it looks like on the Mm -hmm. outside because that's, you're a mom, right? Yeah. I have two, two, have two kids. kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that was beautiful that you just said that and brought that up because a lot of times when I, and I, I'm going to do a bit of a focus on mother and feminine and masculine, because when mm-hmm. I say to a mother, you're in your masculine, they're like, what? And I'm like, hundred hmm. percent but I'm being a mom. And I said, yeah, you are being a mom but Mm -hmm. you're controlling every ounce of everything that's happening. You're not letting anybody near you to help. And in, in our culture, we um, celebrate that the harder you work, the more helicopter mom you are, the better. And I'm like, and that was really truly where all of this whole thing began for me was I was single at the time last summer and I started to wonder why I couldn't meet someone. Mm -hmm. And And then I realized I was very firmly in my masculine, but then I looked at how I was mothering my kids and I was mothering them like they were in my business. Absolutely. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. until that moment I didn't get it and I raised them all except for the youngest one, I'm reversing it now, like every day, but I raised Mm -hmm. the older three to be strong women, to not need anybody, to don't you ever let a man pay. Don't you ever let a man this, da, 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 da. Don't you ever let the father even help you, right? Like you've got it. You can breastfeed, change the baby, feed the family, like do it all in five minutes or you're a failure. And it's this crazy myth. Like it's, it's insane. It's impossible to live that way. And then you just get, and then you go to work and you've got to be the boss at work. And then you come home and it's like, when do you get to be like in your, settle into your feminine divine? You never Mm -hmm. get to. So let's talk a bit about how you came to all of this. I mean, you, you talk about your default is still can be still alpha female. How did you, and and maybe talk a bit about you and Tristan and how, because you're both coaches, you both are like, I mean, power couple times a million. Like you both have this deep sense and knowledge on the subject, but talk a bit about like your upbringing and teenagehood even and kind of what your experience Mm -hmm. was there and then how you came to be this floaty, beautiful goddess that you are.
1: Yeah, let me just, before, I want to add one piece to what you were just saying, which is that when you're in that, that mother piece, that mode you were just describing, which is a very common way of mothering, Um, you also, because you're in control so much, it really, it really sabotages the relationship with your partner Mm -hmm. that there, there just is no room for receptivity. And it's such an incredibly challenging nuanced experience. And it's one I'm definitely still working with actively. I have a two and a half year old and a 10 year old and a son and a daughter. And it's like, you know, it feels, it's a lot, you give so much, right. It's like a lot of energy. So it's like anytime you can streamline or like, (laughs) I'll just do it because it's easier. You know, it's just like that, that is a really easy place to default. And some of it's just simply because you're tired, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's like, you got like, things got to get done because so it's like, there's a way that it's this dance. You know, it's not really all or nothing I think, especially when I don't have teenagers yet, but certainly in the experience of young parenting when they're so dependent on you for these basic things like the diapers, the food, you know where there isn't a way that they can show up and really help help support you that much, um it's very challenging to not to not step into that version of controlling mother that you're talking about, controlling martyr mother. And when you do, and you stay there, it really sabotages the, the relationship with your partner because there's not a space for receptivity. So it's, it takes a lot of awareness and conscious choice to bring that into your life, your world as the individual, to then allow that space to happen in your relationship and keep a balance there. And certainly if you're an entrepreneur in your business, that's a whole other like child family kind of entity yep. to keep that receptivity open so that your business can still thrive and you can attract the the clients and the, the sales that you want to attract. Yeah. It's an amazing, complex dance. Yep. And it really it's is. a gorgeous one. I adore it. And it's challenging. It's rewarding. It's like everything, right? It's all the emotions in one bubble ball experience. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to make that connection of that, you know, that when you're in that martyr controlling mom, it is like impossible to have a healthy, healthy yeah. romantic right relationship. No polarity,
0: right? Because then you start mm-hmm. treating the spouse like the child and he's like, whoa. Yeah. And then he starts acting like one truthfully. Right. Oftentimes, goes, All right. Yeah. Well, if you're going to mother me, I'm going to just default to that. And yep. then there's no polarity and that's a huge function in a, i mean that's it if there's no polarity you're friends
1: totally. and
0: roommates and that you know most couples don't sign up for that when they get married um so thank you for that that's and it and it is hard and i and i even when i was younger and i go back to the breastfeeding thing because that was I mean, I use my breastfeeding time. I breastfed um, the oldest is my stepchild, so i didn 't breastfeed her, but I did breastfeed the other three and that was my time to i 'm not doing anything but this, so you guys have to figure it out and so mm-hmm. I did teach myself a little bit of being able to delegate at that point um, but it is it 's really difficult because we 're just like oh f- 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 I just want to get it done. I just want to get mm-hmm. it done so that the next thing is bedtime, and then I can relax but it really, it does rock the relationship boat and it teaches, this is the big piece that I find And your kids are still little, but when you teach a, a girl in particular to not mm-hmm. accept help, especially from the father, she yeah. goes into the world that way. Um, and then what you teach the son often is how not to be a king. Yes. Right. That's and right. I, I've had people that I've talked to and I've had guests on where I've said, you know, when that 10 year old's boy puts the dishes away celebrate him like a king thank you you've and and use the word king and say I'm the Mm -hmm. queen or whatever you need to do but like honor you know you don't have to buy him a you have a parade for the kid but honor I really needed that support thank you so much for that help Mm -hmm. son because then he is conditioned to take care of his queen and that's really at the end of the day you know they want to help us and we make it really hard men want to help us and, and see us happy and we make it very difficult. Um, so, so let's dig into your, your childhood then, and, and kind of, um, how you, you came through it all and what you've discovered as an adult
1: woman now. Yeah. Ooh, this is a rich territory. (laughs) So let's see. Um, my parents, my dad, I haven't seen my, my biological dad since I was pretty young. Um, maybe 12 was a 10, 10 to 12 window was like when that, that connection was really severed. Um, and you know, I've come to a place where I can really, for the most part, I've done so much healing and reconnection and forgiveness around and around again, but where I can really come to a place of gratitude for him supporting me to become the woman that I am today Mm -hmm. in an unexpected way. Um, And that being that he had a very intense relationship to women and sexuality. And when I was very little, he would take me to strip clubs with him. And, you know, he was constantly like hitting on women and we'd be in the checkout line and it's a 15 year old girl and he's trying to take her home to have sex with her. I mean, it was just like really extreme Mm -hmm. And I have an older sister who is four and a half years older. And just the both of us, there was no filter at all. And it was, he was heavily, he was very, he very much expressed. It almost kind of like, I've always correlated it with like the teenage boy, like this, such a huge hormonal surge that like everything and anything goes, you're just like in it. Like it had that quality about it where there was just like this complete, unconsciousness around how and when he chose to express his sexuality and it was making comments to women all the time so this is the environment from my dad that I grew up in and I only saw him on the weekends I didn't grow up living with him so it was a very kind of um it was a very challenging way to think that that's how you get a man's love it was highly objectified And, um, yeah, that basically like you need to, you need to like put out and do sexually, like do whatever a man wants, if you're going to receive his love and that quality of love is very superficial and not even that satisfying, but it's like the only way to, yeah, to receive that love. So that was the masculine input side. And then and then he left and disappeared and I never saw him again. So there was when I was about to hit puberty. So it was like, for me, I then was finding myself searching for a dad. Mm-hmm. And so when I was 12, I got into a relationship with a 20-year-old. That was when I lost my virginity. And I was with him for a year and a half. And it was a lot of different things. Um, wow. And when I was 14, I was with a 24-year-old. And there were a lot of complicated... I was like... I was, I don't need anyone. I'll get to that piece in a minute. The mom side, you know, I I was quite mature for my age and took care of myself. Developmentally, I had a similar body now as a woman when I was 12, 13. So I I developmentally matured quite quickly and basically just kind of acted like I was a 16 or 17 year old and that I could handle it all. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, I couldn't, you know, inside of me, there was a part there was a little girl that, that Felt incredibly unsafe from the choices that I ended up continuing to make around um, not listening to to her voice when it was a clear no inside, not knowing how to. I was in a survival place. I just would freeze in these sexual situations and basically just dis, uh, disassociate and leave my body and just kind of let it happen. And then when I'd come out of it, I was a very I was the strong, powerful girl taking on the world. So it was this real dichotomy. Of, like, when I was in intimate sexual situations where I would collapse heavily and um, feel incredibly disempowered. And then when I was in all the other areas of my life, I was like, I was like the girl everyone looked up to and wanted to be. I was going to be the big success. I was funny, at, you know, like, just I was suc- successful at academics, sports, just like well rounded in that way. So it was this, it was really, um, it was just a really wild experience to have both of those side by side with one another. And somewhere in there, when I was young as well, I, I connected. I didn't grow up religiously at all. Um, but I had this deep connection with spirit and it it became very alive when I was around 14. And I felt very guided in a certain way to make certain choices that led me in a in a a path of health and healing and thriving. And not down a road of like drug abuse and alcohol abuse and, you know, like sex, like di- different, like sex abuse in a higher level. Um, so backing up a tiny bit, my mom was a single mom, essentially, and not getting any sort of um, financial input either from my, my dad, feeling completely undesirable because he was out cheating and with all these other women all the time, never coming home. He was an alcoholic as well. You know, so there was like that emotional piece was completely absent. And she, um, she internalized all of that and never talked about any of it. And she just like buck up, take care of yourself. I have two kids you know, like she was a very loving mom and certainly in the way that she knew how to, she was affectionate and loving and really um, valued us immensely. And she had to work two and three jobs and wasn't home a lot. And, you know, like she definitely gave us the impression that you are strong, and take care of yourself and that's that. So I still am, am untangling the... Um, can I really trust a man pieces inside of myself? Right. Is it really safe for me to trust a man? Am I, do I trust myself right. to show up for myself in certain situations to speak my truth and not just let things happen to me? I'm still doing that. I still have a, a protective mechanism that kicks in sometimes that I need to slow down and catch. Otherwise, I'll go into that numb place. And just do something that doesn't feel good to me. Um, And that's been years and years of untangling that piece of programming that I, that happened for me in that time period, particularly around, it was set up, the stage was set in my elementary years, but then particularly around the time my dad left and losing my virginity and being more like actively, more sexually active and the way that that all unfolded for me.
0: Um, thank you for sharing that i mean that's um that was deep deeper yeah. than I thought we would go, and I'm honored that you would share that i am a bit um at a couple things that, that come up when you talk about um spirit kind of guiding you at fourteen it's interesting. I definitely did not have the same type of experience as you. I had um, like two alcoholic parents and they were abusive and I was taken from them when I was 15. But I didn't know what to call it until you really just said it. But like, I always had this knowing, this knowing that it was not right, what I saw and what I experienced. And I'm not a religious person. I'm I'm spiritual. And I, now when you're saying it, it's like, it just occurred to me that that's what led me the same direction as you probably. And that's what a gift. Such a gift. Cause there's a lot of us that have had those type of experiences who have turned to drugs and alcohol and um, mm-hmm. all of the things. And right. I, my drug and alcohol of choice was control freak and you know making sure all the things were how i needed them but i certainly didn't go through what i know a lot of women have gone through in similar situations so i think yeah it's i'm happy that you i'm happy that you didn't go the other way and that you're here with us to tell us your journey i mean it's an assault on your spirit more than anything those things that happened to you it feels like that to me that it was an assault on your spirit and your spirit's so strong that you're like kate next anyway and i'm just gonna push through this now
1: the Um, story is it's so so multi-layered too right because it's like that that's been my biggest life learning Mm mm-hmm you know, this journey, this piece that I just referred to of how I was modeled to be a woman by my mom, and that's lineage, it's ancestral, right? So it's not just my mom. This is like yep, forever, <laughs> a long time. And then how I learned to be a woman from my dad and how I knew in my cells how I wanted to be a woman, how I remembered at some point in time in a different body to be a woman, those three pieces, it's been my, it's, it's been my life's work and will continue to be my life's work forever in this, you know, until I die, this is, this is what my devotion is. And it's, it's for me first and foremost. And for me, I mean, like for my daughter as well. And for my son as well, it's for us, it's for, it's to like shift this piece. There's a big, much bigger vision here for me of that healing happening, and then extending from that is this beautiful life experience of all the details, all the healing, all the awareness gained, all of the choices made that I get to be able to then pass on to other women. So' it's, it's being that pioneer in that, in that regard, and you know and, and talking about it. And, you know, and walking in it. And so much of what we've talked about so far today, Kara, has been like, it's the layers of this deeper journey, this deeper question. And I don't have a, it's not specific to me. You know, it's like my dad was showing up, how he was shown how to show up. Right. He had a tender, vulnerable heart and he came from a really intense household. I mean, talk about my grandmother and my great grandmother being in their masculine. Holy cow. I mean, they were hard. There was no room for heart in that relationship. And my dad, he was like, he was, he, I could tell now I know I didn't, as a child, I had a different awareness, but like, now I know how to name it. He Mm. was a tender hearted guy. And he grew up in a time in a family where there was no tolerance for that. There, there wasn't even a I mean, it was just like, he was an alien to them. Right. And he disconnected, he did what he knew how to do. He drank, he sexed, you know? It was like, those were those were his ways to try to not feel the pain he was feeling. It's insidious, you know? It's like, yeah. he learned how to do that from his family, but from the cultures. Mm-hmm. My mom, the same thing. She 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 was a victim of, of of sexual abuse when she was a little girl. You know, and it's like, that's not uncommon.
0: No, nope, my mom too. She was pregnant with me actually when one of the yeah. times happened, which I often wonder if that energy, if I took that on in some way energetically in her tummy.
1: Absolutely. It's impossible for you not to. You have like, that's that's part of the epigenetic piece. You know, it's right. like you have, she was in an emotional state while you were developing. Correct. Yeah. That is, it's impossible for that to not have an impact on you. Yeah. So it's like, there's all these things that are, that are, that are like the traumatic experiences that we have, the details look different for each of us to some degree, but like many, 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 most, I'm going to go out to say women have something that's similar enough that they have had in their life as their experience that, that has then allowed them to say, Mm -hmm. well. I need to be in my masculine because that's the only safe way to be. Right. It's the only way I'm going to semi-thrive in this life and function and like have a family and be able to show up in this world. Right. So it's like, yeah,
0: go ahead. Yeah. It's, and it's so the tragedy around that is that you never really get to live the core of who you are. The core of who I am is not masculine. It just isn't. It feels... Yeah um, really hard to be in that masculine energy, you know, even say 40% of the time, I'm so much more comfortable like this, when I'm with you than I am, if I'm all, bah, bah, bah. and mm-hmm. that's the tragedy of it, because it's, it's hard work to do this work I' I'm not I don't know if you agree but I feel like it is it's it's been hard
1: work to it's certainly cor- peel the highly
0: courageous yeah you know and it's peeling the layers of well why why did I I mean I came from 10 years old is when I first remember developing the masculine and it was mm-hmm. my mom started to drink and do drugs and so she would have seizures and she'd fall down on the floor she every weekend she was telling us she's going to commit suicide. And so Mm -hmm. there was this piece where my brother and I would actually hide the knife drawer because that was her thing. She was going to grab a knife and slit her wrists and probably around 12, I started to discover if I grab the knife drawer and hide it, then I've eliminated one of those ways that she could potentially hurt herself. Yeah. Talk about being in the masculine, right? I'm protecting my tribe at 10. And so often, you know, I know people who don't associate wouldn't associate those two things, 10 year old Mm -hmm. hiding knives to 30, 40 year old control freak, total asshole. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't get it. And Mm -hmm. it's when you go back and you, you have to, there's a point where you have to call uncle on yourself basically, and just say, I have to surrender here. Mm -hmm. And it will show up ladies in your life. It can show up as disease. It can show up as, failed relationships, estranged from your kids, fired from jobs, like it will show up. I promise it will show up. And I mean, this is just a testament to, if you do the work and I'm with you, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of work to do, but I'll work on it forever. But I can tell you, I feel a lot more. I mean, five years ago, I wouldn't have cried on a podcast with a stranger.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I wouldn't have felt it. Maybe you know I wouldn 't have even felt it. never mind showing it, but i don 't think I would have felt it yet because yeah. I' blocked it so hard. but the the last thing, and this is sort of like a 90 degree from where we 're at, but it kind of mm-hmm. will bring it into it. Um, you said about money flow mm-hmm. so I talk a lot about alignment. I have another company that 's a healthy company it 's doing well i 'm not in alignment with it anymore. And I always say, if you follow your passion, the money will show up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Talk a little bit about, cause you mentioned, you know, when flowing with your body, flowing with relationships and then money flow, talk, a, a, maybe give a, a little snippet on your thoughts on mm-hmm. really discovering your core and then how that opens up the money piece of that. Because a lot of women struggle with that. They're like on paper, I'm mm-hmm. doing all the things I need to do, but I'm broke. What's going on? So speak out of it if you don't mind. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you said it was a 90 degree turn, but to me, it's actually a direct connect. Okay. It's beautiful. So, like, so, um, I'm going to use your example that you were describing when you were a kid and hiding the knife drawer and that experience it's if you, if you haven't already done some sort of integration with it, it's in your body somewhere still. So I would say like, that it is. I actually would. And there's multiple layers of it too, which is interesting. But like we can do different types of healing and even different types of body work healing that release and like um, support the nervous system in different ways. And this is one, this is an area of work for me that is like I probably in a certain way I'd say I'm most passionate about is I, because it's my biggest, one of my biggest gifts is like this tracking of the body. And like really understanding, like I have a capacity to tune into what's going on in people's bodies and heal them of chronic diseases and stuff like that from different releases. And I did that for many, many years before I shifted more consciously into coaching. Um, but it get, it stays in your tissues, the different traumatic experiences and the emotions, more specifically, the emotional states, like stay in your tissue. And so it comes out unconsciously when you least expect it. And it's something that most people just are completely unaware of. And you are mentioning how it will show up in your life, ladies. And you will sometimes see it overtly. I bet sometimes your mind is. And sometimes you won't necessarily see it. Sometimes it'll be a little more masked, Mm -hmm. but it's still affecting your life. And you just don't know that that's actually what the cause is that's going on. So money is like, this is an, a huge area. And so you were talking about living your passion. Yeah, living your passion. But what does that mean? Right. You know, it's like what? There's, there's multiple stages of this. It's like, okay, starting to listen enough to what your desire is to get inspiration and ideas coming through. That's, that's great. You're opening some flow there. And you can't stop there. Like there's still more, that's like, okay, you have a, you have a dry bed stream where nothing's flowing. Now you've opened the stream enough so that you now have a Creek trickling through. You can see possibility. There's flow happening again. There's inspiration coming through. It's powerful because wow, the water's back. You're not dry anymore. You're not parched and you want a raging river flowing. How do you get there? Well, it's like dismantling these pieces. It's like, again, I'm going to cycle right back to the beginning of our conversation today, where ultimately you have to understand how to cultivate a sense of inner safety, or you're not going to have what you want to have to its fullest capacity, or even close to its fullest capacity. You're not going to work how you want to be working. You're not going to be having sex how you want to be having sex. You're not going to be mothering how you want to be mothering. You know, it's like, and the pieces that are the resistance that are the boulders in your, in your creek river are these different emotional pieces that have stacked up along the way. And so I believe it's most effective to like have a somatic approach of understanding like how to release those things and like bring movement there that it's not an intellectual understanding. You'll gain that and it's helpful to know that. So that when you feel it coming again, here's our like letting the 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 brain guide the heart, or not guide the heart, rather, letting the brain facilitate the guidance of the heart. You know, it's like once you have that awareness, you can use this tool mm-hmm. to be able to say, Oh, there's that feeling again. That that must be my 12-year-old getting stoked again who feels like somebody's about to kill themselves and my whole fucking world's gonna collapse. You know, it's right. like. So you, you are going to use your brain to help track what's going on so you can catch it quicker and quicker, but your body is where you're going to locate what's going on first and foremost. And it's, like, and it's not just like a quick fix it. It's not just like, okay, I located that place of tension and you know, bingo, bingo, we do some cool tricks and it releases. We can release it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's not going to flare up again. It will. It's like, this is a part of you. It's not something you're trying to get rid of. Mm. It's not something that you're trying to heal by, like, fix it, make it go away. It's something you're trying to accept and integrate. It's you. That 12-year-old is you. She's always going to be you. And there's nothing wrong with her. She's amazing. She did everything perfect. And Mm -hmm. she's your, not only that, she's your ally still. She just might need a new job. And to give her a new job, you need to really understand what her needs are, what her strengths are. I'm writing. So it's feet. like <laughs> so we have all these parts of ourselves. They're all us though. We don't want to fix them. We don't want to get rid of them. Your lower back pain, it's like, oh yeah, that's a part of yourself. Yep. She needs attention because if you don't give it to her, you're going to keep having that back pain or it's going to keep reoccurring. Not being able to have an orgasm. Oh yeah that's part of you or multiple parts. I need attention. It's all good. And so here's our separation, you know, between the masculine and feminine, the masculine's like, fix it problem. Fix it. The feminine is like, I don't need to be fixed. I'm perfect. I'm whole I'm complete, but I do need to love all the parts of me and accept all the parts of me and give them that, like that universal mother loveness and forgiveness and compassion and exercise that muscle of like, how do I access that part of me that's the universal mother to like really show up for these parts of myself that feel neglected or that I've been too ashamed to look at that I can't even like accept that they're a part of me. I push them in the corner and shut the door and I want nothing to do with them. I pretend they don't exist. Mm-hmm. We need to welcome all these parts back in. And the more you bring them on board the more flow happens in all era of your life. And, es- and especially around like money and sex, it's, it's creative energy. Mm-hmm. It's like your damper of how much you're willing to allow spirit to move through you. Spirit moves through you for every single one of us. And then we tamp it down in these different ways because we're scared.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. This whole... Hours been amazing. Um, there's a lot to talk about.
1: It's very rich territory, this conversation.
0: Yeah. And that's why I I love it. And I love every single time I get, I mean, I I say I get to do this for a living. It's amazing. Like how lucky am I to have these conversations? Um, what's next for you?
1: Hmm. That's a fun question. Um, I have been rebranding right now, which I'm, any day now about to officially launch my new website, which I'm super excited about because my one that I've had up and running has been the one I've had for quite a few years now. And I originally built it when I was much more focused on my healing practice. And so it's, you know, I've kind of tweaked, added some updated stuff here and there, but I haven't, it's not, it's not the full expression of what I actually am really doing. And so I am about to launch this. And why it's important to me that I'm launching this is not so much even the website, but what it's representing for me, which is really claiming I, I'm a writer as well. And so I decided that I'm going to finally jump on the blog train. And so that's the main focus for my new website is, is having writings that go up a few times a week and having the blog be the centerpiece of it. And then, um, you know, there'll be like different ways you can work with me, but that's, that's more is like really bringing in that part of my voice and creative process. And I, I write and I have a ton of material, but I have for various reasons, I've shopped some to publishers, but it's been all kind of behind the scenes. And so I feel really excited to start to really bring this out into the open and, and have that be a way to give back and support women. Um connected with that I also have you know obviously as an intimacy coach bringing the light into our sexuality and really embodying it and as as complete a way empowered a way as possible is is my passion in supporting women and so alongside with that I um you know, it's important to look at the shadow pieces, like I was just saying. And so I support that in my individual in my work with individuals, but I also want to do that as a world picture and in our culture. And so part of what I have is my new website, too, is a giving back piece, a contribution piece around sex slavery. Mm-hmm. And so all 10% of every sale that I make goes towards um, supporting the eradication of sex slavery and, and helping these children out. And it's also like a a key piece to my website. Um, So it's just like, I'm doing a a bit of, this has already been going on for me for a long time, but I'm actually putting out more tangibly to the world, these new components of my work. And I feel just super excited about it because it feels like a much more comprehensive, updated, authentic piece of who I am at this point and what I'm offering. Amazing. And where can people find you? Yeah. So, so I have the two websites. <laughs> I have my, my original one, which is my name, com, And then the new one that I believe this weekend, I'll at least have it up and running and I'll be refining it is the way she Amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on and for your absolute honesty and authenticity. It was incredible listening to you talk. Um, soul sisters for life you and I (laughs) like I just yeah you're a beautiful soul and I really really do appreciate you sharing that level with us I think um it's necessary because we can't move through these things if we don't feel like we're some on some level doing it together and so I really appreciate it
1: oh you're so welcome Kara it was a real pleasure to come on and and talk and I love talking about this topic. It's such an important one to, like you said, to open up and make the connections and not have shame about not hide. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks again. And um, definitely keep in touch. I'm, I'm reaching out to you um, to talk about healing. Cause when you were talking about where it is in the body, I know where it is in my body. Mm-hmm. Fascinating to me. Cause I can, I just know that's where it is. So expect an email or something from me, not too distant future. <laughs> Please. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon.
1: Okay. It sounds great. Bye.